Reason to be cheerful. 1 to 3 p.m. Ayanda Ali Payne on SAFM. Revolutionaries die and the children forget. The ghetto is our first love and our dreams are drenched in gold. We don't even cry. We don't even cry. About it, no. So I remember many, 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 many years ago of being asked to be a flower girl. I must have been about seven or eight. And uh, the reason that the bride-to-be gave my mom had something to do with my fair complexion. We would go on to hear a popular wedding song at that wedding reception. Swan, 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 riboni, kaladi. Loosely translated, it, uh, it means that the bride is so beautiful, she looks like she's a colored woman. You know, she, she's so beautiful, she looks like she's anything but black. You know, a recent study by The Guardian publication in the U.S. shows that darker-skinned women struggle to find marriage. The study revealed some unfortunate um, discrimination faced by darker-skinned women, often from within their own community, much like racial inequality, Colorism is said to have created its own standard of beauty between lighter and darker skin tones. Now, a a small little excerpt from that particular article, Dream McClinton gave her own, um, you know, analogy of what she goes through as someone who's looking for a date online. um, And this was her experience. She says, and I quote, I've spent so much time trying to understand what is so unattractive about me that men shun me. At first, I thought it was because I was intimidating, a word I've heard used to describe me. For a while, I concluded I was not that interesting, a line I subsequently used as my biography on social media. But those explanations won't do. The real issue is staring me right in the face, my deep mahogany skin. So colorism is the prejudice based on skin tones. It has stunted the romantic lives of millions of dark-skinned women including her, she said and that's Clinton. Uh, We are not as valued as our lighter-skinned counterparts when seeking romantic partners. Our dating pool constricted because of something as arbitrary as shoe size. That's what we're discussing today. It's a universal issue that led uh, to a lot of dark-skinned women bleaching their skin. I'm joined now by media strategist, social commentator as well, uh, Alexis Peche. And uh, Alexis has been studying this issue closely for a while now. Her view on this matter runs skin deep. She joins us on the line. Alexis, such a pleasure to have you with us. A very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello, Ayanda. Thank you for having me. Mm. Are you surprised by the, you know, the article that says darker-skinned black women are struggling to find marriage? 
Not, not, not too surprised. So I think the word surprise would, would be far-fetched. I think um, the word, when, when you opened up and you spoke about colorism as a, as a factual thing, and I want to call it factual, I can't, I can't necessarily say to you black women or darker-skinned black women are harder to find partners. We don't have that behind that. We can't really prove it, right, from a statistical perspective. Mm. Um, but from a social, um, you know, I, I having having prepared for, for for speaking to you, I went and did a little focus group with a bunch of my 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 men friends, a bunch of my female friends, and the answer always seems to come back as lighter skinned women have a better pool in terms of relationships. So let's let's cut the marriage bit a little bit out of the picture because mm-hmm. it's about building relationships with people in order to get married. You say this is an issue that runs skin deep. Please elaborate. Mm-hmm. So I want to take it back to um, so, so the American, the American, uh, the Guardian went and did this research. Nagadirabani wrote an article in the Mail and Guardian about 13 years ago, where she spoke about the advent of, of skin lightening creams in South Africa, mm. right? But in particular, if you look at the issue of colorism, and I find it odd that it's mostly within females, that in any country where there has been um, colonization, then you find that issues of this nature or slavery or anything of supremacy of another race or or the Caucasian race, then you find that there's there's women who then aspire to be lighter, fairer. Mm-hmm. So when it's skin deep, it's, it's to the level of the problem being about not only identity politics, but I think it tilts the soul to a larger extent. It's a soul deep issue because it questions the love of your own view, the love of the person you look into when you look into the mirror. Mm. Mm. I think in our communities, we don't even see that we're, we're doing it. And I don't know if we should say being colorist, you know, if that's a word. I don't, I don't think we realize that we're being colorist. You know, it, it's in the, the small little comments that we make. You know, if you've been out um, in the sun for too long and you're complaining and say, Ooh, nyama, hey, it's in you know, I'm going to be dark, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. It's in the way that we tease people who are darker skinned, you know, uh, you mm-hmm. the dark ones you know and um, for the mm. mere fact that there's even a phenomenon called yellow bone that there's an existence of such a term means that we have a real problem and that we ourselves perpetuated knowingly or unknowingly you know sometimes we unwittingly um will say something to a child without realizing that we're being colorist and that we perpetuate that problem i think that's where the the part where i speak about it of an entrenched psychology of 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 who we've become right just as much as its culture uh, evolves and, and, and changes. But within that, um, colorism is, is not only, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not only touching on the hue, but it's touching on how we, we, we look, what we consider pretty. So you'll hear of somebody speaking of an unpity, so they'll talk about somebody, which is a sharp nose, right? So we consider mm. that sharp nose to be beautiful. Further to that, so it's, it's, it's deeper than just the skin color. It's deeper than just calling somebody nyamani. It's the fact that we've always elevated lightness to greatness. And, and in that sense, in, 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 in little ways, it permeates everything that we do. I just want to touch on a point. So if, if people were ever to, to even consider the depth of it, is that Gold Rift City was built simply on lightness. 
right, on skin lightening creams. Because when the Koch brothers were, 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 were pushing or were capitalizing on this issue that we have to want to be lighter and fairer, they made millions of rands. You know, so it, 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 it's almost tangibly that you can go and point something and say, this is the result of the skin, the, the skin issue that we yeah. seem to be having as black people. Hmm. So my yeah. question then is, who is to do what about it? And I'll tell you, you know, I... I often speak to to teenagers. I often speak to young uh, girls, in particular boys as well. And yeah. I speak to them about, you know, believing in who you are and and loving yourself just the way you are. And and I go out of my way to to sort of compliment um, darker skinned girls. It feels as if I it's wasted coming from me because they will look at me and say you don't understand the pain you're light skinned yeah. you know you have light mm. skin privilege you know mm. um, so mm. you can't be out here telling us to love ourselves when you look the way you look so my question then is who's to do what are, are, are black men supposed to affirm uh, black women in order for this tide to turn uh, are we as women supposed to I mean stop bleaching as in order for us to stop this, this phenomenon are we supposed to speak to our children maybe and and um, affirm them at that young age to value who they are who's to do what in order for this to change i've got i've got two takes i had a friend in south africa many many years ago he said he didn't know he was black that's to start with right because everything he saw on television in ethiopia was just dark beautiful light beautiful so there wasn't a differentiator right I think media has got a huge role to play in terms of affirming the different hues. And it goes back to the basis of what media does. And when I say media, I'm not necessarily always just talking radio because this is the mass reach platform. But we've got television, we've got magazines to the point that teenagers still continue to read them, right? You, you, you always have that colorist that will always kind of, you know, the darker skinned woman. <laughs> Please point me to a dark skinned lady that reads the news. On television, mm. because of the white balance of the of the camera that needs to happen. Please point me to a dark skinned lady. Perhaps Lupita stands out as the only dark skinned lady at the dinner party. But please point me to a dark skinned lady who's a protagonist in South African media to even start with. A strong dark skinned woman. So so it's 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 about placing little caveats of 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 reference for people to kind of always identify with. Dark-skinned little black girls in the hood have need somebody to kind of say, I'm okay, you know? Naomi Campbell, wherever she is, still gets excluded because of the shade of her skin in other countries. It's a difficult journey that we need to, to kind of embark on. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a voice message uh, via WhatsApp to this effect. Let's continue the conversation in just a moment. Hashtag SAFM Life Happens. Twenty-four minutes after two, let's uh, quickly hear uh, from one of you who have also a contribution to make on the subject matter. Hi, I am the Jabuchilwane in Kondo about the colorism uh, topic. I would like to say that I actually find dark-skinned women women very beautiful, and. Um, uh, 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 there was one that I really wanted to get married to, but she wouldn't hear 
anything from me and i ended up with a yellow bone a whom i love very much but uh, i don't think uh, it is necessary for dark women to bleach their skin uh, because they actually have stronger skin which lasts for a longer time compared to light-skinned women so thank you Mm, thank you very much for your contribution, Jabu. I also see a beautiful picture uh, that's been sent via WhatsApp, the beauty of an African skin. We're going to try and tweet that for you. Or not tweet, yeah, maybe tweet or Facebook that for you so that you can see how gorgeous this young lady is. Um, I'm not sure if the name of the person is Chifilwa Rasila, who sent the picture or the picture is of Chifilwa, uh, but it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, young woman. She looks like she's wearing school uniform and braided hair and gorgeous eyes and dark mahogany chocolate skin absolutely amazing and i think it's it's so important for us to have these conversations and i'm imagining one or two people thinking oh yo yo we're hearing again again about how we must affirm black people why is this even important but i think when you've been told that everything about you is not good that the color of your skin leaves much to be desired and that you're ugly because you're dark when you've heard that for years for century centuries I should say it's so important that we started to change that narrative and start to speak positively not because we're just trying to affirm ourselves but because it's true Alexis very quickly for those who are saying why is it important for us to be having these conversations in 2019 what would you say I think as much as we're having the importance of having natural hair it's, it's the same topic it's about affirming who we are it's about it's about taking away what I've always, what I've started off with, with the colorism of colonialism. It's about accepting the fact that we are, we come in these different hues as Africans. And I, I really want to, to shy away from American politics. I feel like the identity politics of Americans, to a large extent, sometimes permeate to us as, as Africans. And I, I, I want to talk about us as in in the continent of Africa, we come in so many different colors that sometimes South Africa, if you go into the rest of the continent, I used to say to lots of my friends, go out into the rest of the continent, see the different beauties that they are. And you, yeah. you, you start to realize it's not a one-dimensional fact. It's important for us to do that in, in, in understanding our Africanicity if that is, that is the word to be used. Yeah. Also, mm. I think some, some discrimination that maybe light-skinned men face, among other men, is that they're soft, you know. So, so the other side of this coin um, yeah. is that if you're a man and you're, quote, yellow bone, then other men would look at you and think, ah, this one is not, he's not a man's man, mm. you know, because he's mm. light-skinned, which, which also is, it should be frowned upon. I agree. I think this conversation about why do women like I think the question should be posed to men. And I love the fact that the, the, the voice note that came through was from a man. You know, I, I love the fact that we, we as women sometimes get so embroiled in our own um, psychosis, I want to call it, um, of who's better, how is things going. But I think we should ask the boys. Let's ask the boys why, why, what they love and why they love it. You know, mm. a friend of mine said, sometimes darker skinned women may be the most attractive women in the room, but because of that self-confidence that comes through uh, or, 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 or lack thereof, um, may not actually attract the guy she wants because she's gone around feeling like she's not the prettiest thing since sliced chocolate, mm. you know? Mm. So, so it's not always about the colorism as well when you come to human interaction. Sometimes put your best foot forward, walk into a room full of yellow bones and be 
the brightest thing ever. It, it's that it is, you know? And I think women of darker skin need to take their own, uh, claim their own spaces. They, I don't think they need to be dictated to by society. We need to find our own confidence in our own way. I love it. I absolutely love it. Let's quickly hear from uh, another one of the voice messages that we've received on the topic. Hi, Ayanda. Black woman is beautiful. Black is beautiful. I got married to a black or dark-skinned woman myself. I'm yellow-bone, but the blackness just attracted me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. One of my girls, our daughters, is black and beautiful. All right. Very quickly before we wrap up this conversation, because this is something that we simply can't exhaust. I know that it will continue uh, way after this conversation has been had and maybe we can revisit it and ask from the, the men what they think. But in closing, very quickly, what would you like to say? In closing, just one simple fact. I think self-love starts with, with, with you know, it's called self-love. Love yourself. Doesn't matter what you what what the world says about you. It's about creating your your own space in the world and beating your own drum and finding your own beauty. And as Bakulu used to say, every pot has a lid, and and that lid will find you. It, it's it's never really about whether you're a stew pot or a purple pot or a green pot. Yeah. There's always a a lid for you that will find you, regardless of the color that you are. Love it. Thank you very much for your input. Media strategist, social commentator, Alexis Sepeje. I'd love to hear from you a little bit later as well, maybe in a couple of months on the subject matter. But something that stood out for me in this conversation that don't internalize what society says about the color of your skin such that you then also um, start to create your own self-fulfilling prophecies and then you don't get that relationship, not because of the color of your skin, but because of the lack of confidence that you have in who you are. Ah, yep, all good things do come to an end. Unfortunately, we'll wrap that uh, conversation over there. It is half past two. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Table Mountain. 28 minutes to three, almost time for us to say goodbye, but not before having this uh, important conversation. We turn our attention now to family dynamics. That's the part of the show where we zone in on how we're raising our children, how we are building a strong family. Because as you know, that unit um, sort of also has a ripple effect into society and the world at large. To encourage or not to encourage conversations about homosexuality with our children, that is the question we ask. Um, we're joined by a family and parenting coach Susan Gregor Harlan who is a mother of two herself she's also a teacher for many many years she believes that empowering the parent and the child can have a life-changing effect on the family and that we we have the knowledge within us to best help our children and to guide them successfully well I'm asking this question about discussing homosexuality with children because of recent developments in the US an American power couple uh, actress Gabriella Union and basketball player Dwayne Wade uh, were recently seen supporting their 11-year-old son at a gay pride event. Um, the son is gay, identifies it as gay, and um, has come out, and the family was supporting him, taking place in this walk. The pictures were beautiful. People were smiling, jovial, happy faces, and uh, all they were doing was supporting their son. But this has created a stir on social media, as you can imagine, uh, where lots of mixed messages were coming in, some praising the family for being so supportive of their 
their son. Others criticizing them, saying a child really doesn't know their sexual orientation at that age and they should not be encouraged to come out. And this is not a conversation that you should be having with children. So we thought, let's bring in an expert and discuss whether or not we should be having such conversation with our kids. And if so, how do we even begin to tackle them? So I can see that uh, my, my, my producer, Vanessa, is busy trying to interrupt my conversation with Susan. Out, out, out. <laughs> Thank you, V. Susan, now that I have your undivided attention, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. It's an absolute mm. pleasure to be here. Should we be having conversations about sexual orientation with children? You know, Ayanda, they actually bring it up themselves. So mm. I'm a teacher first and foremost, and I teach five-year-olds, and they bring it up because they see it. They see, you know, a gay couple holding hands. And just in my classroom, I've had children ask me, you know, teacher Susan, can a boy and a boy get married? Mm. And you have to answer children honestly. Mm-hmm. And the answer to a five-year-old is yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. And and for a five-year-old, that's where you would leave it. And you get led by them because they only need to know a certain amount of information at certain ages. Yeah. But it's definitely a topic that you do need to have with your children. And I think before you have that topic with your children, you need to ha- be sure in understanding your views on it. Yeah, that's and, the And why part. do you have those views? Yeah. Have you had an experience or has it just been a belief or a value that's been instilled from you, from your parents? Hmm. And then when you have this discussion with your children, you also need to, well, why are you having this discussion? There, as a parent, there has to be a reason why you're doing things. We don't just do things because, Absolutely, you yeah, know. Yeah. And the reason is, do you want to encourage your children to be tolerant of others? Mm-hmm. And in doing that, how do you educate them? How do you empower them? How do you, you know, because you're going to have the conversation on, um, you know, on these home, on homosexual um, behavior, it doesn't mean that your child's going to be a homosexual. But you see, some parents are of that view. Some parents mm-hmm. believe if you discuss the subject with the kids, it's as if you're encouraging them. And as liberal as we are as South Africans in terms of the legislation when it comes to such matters, we are extremely conservative. Um, and so we then feel if you start having these conversations with your kids, you're saying that it's okay. Then, of course, religion also comes to Absolutely. the fray as well. And out of fear people just shut that conversation down no 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 no. don't ask about that that's a bad thing and you move on but you you you, you've given an answer but you haven't completely satisfied their curiosity absolutely and also you've given them an answer in that we don't discuss this here sure so in other words there's guilt there's shame so if by chance your child does happen to be homosexual they might not come out and tell you because that guilt and that shame is so instilled in them just from your actions and the way you've behaved the way you've avoided the conversation they will feel oh goodness i i I can't be this here Hmm. and that in itself is a huge shame so at at what age you've mentioned five-year-olds will ask you know the question and and some parents will beat about the bush and you sort of squirmishly just answer something and just get them to keep quiet but when the child starts to probe more you know Mm. maybe at an older age how much information is enough information how do you tackle the the subject at an age-appropriate manner okay so for a five-year-old you just say well i would say you know yes you can because legally you can Mm -hmm. and if you don't answer that or you say no and they'll say, oh, but they aren't. So mom and dad were lying. Yes. Okay, so there's trust broken already. So I would say from when you start doing the body, you know, my body does this, your body does that, that whole sexual talk, mm-hmm. that's when you can start bringing it. So from about eight, nine years old, that's mm-hmm. when I would start. 
um, bringing all the differences in and just talking about it in a very natural, non-threatening, non-shameful way. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done that with children. Um, I've spoken about what's going to happen to their body. We've done the whole body talk. Then we do about the feelings talk. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can bring it in. That, you know, when you fall in love, you could fall in love with a boy, but a boy can also fall in love with with another boy. Love has no boundaries. Mm -hmm. Love is universal. Mm -hmm. And so the more you accept it and they see how you are in your treatment of, let's say, for for instance, my children. My children, I've, you know, had a conversation and I've said, yes, a boy can marry a boy. And we've had neighbors who have been... 